right, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Paul Gosselin, G-O-S-S-E-L-I-N. And he wrote, wrote a two-volume set of books titled Flight from the Absolute, Cynical Observations on the Postmodern West. The first one was published in 2006. The second was published 2009. We're going to cover the first one and uh, really fascinating philosophical inquiry into really postmodernism and its effects in, on a wide variety of our culture and thinking. And in his foreword, he uh, has this sentence, which I'm going to repeat before we kind of get started talking about the book. And it is, quote, very few people identify themselves as postmoderns. And yet one observes that the behavior and attitudes of the masses are to a great extent molded by postmodern presuppositions. So we're going to kind of go into detail about uh, this radical change in, in this kind of culture we're in now. So, Paul Gosselin, are you there? Yes, yes. Awesome. Well, for people who may not have heard your name, can you talk a little bit about your background and what led you to write this first volume of Flight from the Absolute? Uh, well, my background is in uh, social anthropology, so um, and specializing in religions, ideologies, and belief systems. So that leads fairly naturally into uh, you know the present culture and the, and the 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 ideas, the beliefs that dominate our present culture, and. Uh, but just to give a little background, for, for example, the, the concept of postmodernism, well, it naturally leads to the question, okay, where this is, uh, what is modernism to as well? Because we, right. modernism is basically, you have, if you're looking at the history, the cultural history of the West, you have uh, the Middle Ages and then followed by the Reformation, the Renaissance, which are, largely dominated by the Judeo-Christian worldview, either Catholics or Protestants, and eventually the Anabaptist tradition coming along too as well. And, uh, but mixed into that, uh, many people will view this time period as, okay, this is the Christian West. This is the, okay, of course, Christianity did, has had a deep influence on the West, but the West, the West has always been a little bit schizophrenic. You see, the the, the Greek and Roman uh, influences actually has deeper roots in the West than Christianity. So that this always has to be taken into account when we're analyzing uh, events or things that are going down or attitudes uh, that are that are that are taking occurring in the West. Well if the, these things have to be taken into account uh, so that so the west has always been had this schizophrenia and then you so you had the the renaissance was actually one uh, i i look at the renaissance the renaissance is often looked at as okay uh, architecture and painting and things of this sort but the uh, the uh, the renaissance was also an attempt to uh, bring um revive an alternative worldview in the West based, based simply on uh, Greek and Roman thinking. Right. So this was not just an architectural movement, not just an artistic movement with, uh, you know, some the Michelangelo and many of these major artists, but it was also um, 
uh, an ideological movement. Uh, I use the 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 hard to handle term, the ideo uh, ideo religious. Uh, so basically, so it was a, an attempt, but it the, the the Renaissance basically failed in this. It was banking on the great prestige of Greek and Roman uh, philosophy. But at the same time, uh, science was growing in influence and discrediting uh, large sections, large parts of the, the, the Greco-Roman uh, heritage. And because of that, uh, finally, the, the, as, as a basis for civilization, it failed in that regard. So the next step, when, when the those in the west were seeking for an alternative to to christianity in the west they realized that the renaissance was not going to be able to take them very far then uh this was when the 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 enlightenment and which is the modern basically the modern uh view of man started to uh, to uh, to coalesce and all religions all uh, belief systems have one base uh, have a, a number of basic questions but one of the very basic questions is where is truth so whereas christianity would answer this well okay then you have the bible or you could add to that for example in the case of catholicism with the the pope pope's authority and things of that sort but with the renaissance the, the answer that the, the enlightenment brought to this was no, science. Science is the, the the ultimate authority, the ultimate epistemological authority. So that was the basis for the the growing. Of course, the the early Enlightenment figures were still deists. People like Benjamin Franklin or Voltaire or Descartes. These people were still talking about God, but God, who is just you know basically starting up. Uh, creation and then taking the backseat going maybe perhaps spending his time watching the prices right and le leaving things run by themselves so uh, so 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 this this is the enlightenment view and it's uh perhaps you could say the culmination would be uh nietzsche's de declaration well god is dead Right. So, so that, so, so that's the mature phase of the uh, of the Enlightenment, and uh, so you've you've gotten rid of the deists. The deist was just a passing phase, and uh, so during the 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 twentieth century, uh, actually, you, we could have you Nietzsche would still be a good candidate for for one, for initiating the the postmodern phase because Nietzsche was not always a big fan of science he was at some in some points he was skeptical of science and uh, so the 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 postmoderns typically in especially in social anthropology would they they would comment about science being oh this is just a western uh understanding of the world this is so so the the, the postmoderns would relativize the authority of science the absolute authority of science, so they reject that. But it's it still has their so so they're they're generally the the postmoderns would be buying into uh, materialistic origins myth because that's still convenient. Right. But uh, so you, you 
So we're, we're slowly drifting away from the idea that there are absolutes. The, 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 the moderns, the Enlightenment view still uh, agreed with Christians that there was, there was an absolute, but it disagreed about what the absolute was. So, uh, the, so the, the whole question about where is truth is answered very, very differently in the modern context and for Christians. And postmoderns finally arrive uh, when they're you, when they when you when you start to analyze the postmodern view, basically there there's there isn't any truth left, or it's the individual. You're that that that's what you're left with. And uh, but th there's an interesting outcome with uh, repercussion with this situation, though, is that when the the postmodern individual is facing the state, which claims absolute power and authority, well, the postmodern has no uh, no reference point beyond above the state that it can refer to. So the state can claim absolute power over individuals so yeah, it's uh, so so this leads to some uh, rather interesting uh, re political repercussions too when we we tend more and more to uh, 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 you know the, the in the political realm right and um, so and you see you see the kind of you could you could argue that many of the horrors of the 20th century in as much as postmodernism affected um, certain movements that because people couldn't say God exists and is an authority above the state, people just followed in lockstep with whatever state authority said. Would you agree with that? Uh, that that can lead to, the, it depends, if you're looking at specific individuals, of course, every individual can be a mix of different beliefs. So how, uh, when you're looking at specific individuals or institutions how they're reacting well you have to take that into account you have to see well okay uh but of course uh for example during uh in what as nazism was growing in influence in germany in the 30s um i remember reading a, a comment by uh, albert einstein he says uh i was a big fan of uh, i've always been interested in uh in freedom, and when Nazi was, Nazism was growing, uh, I saw the universities uh, shutting down. I saw the, the the media shutting down, and actually, the only ones who were uh, speaking, still speaking for freedom, was the the church, and that that was Einstein's comment. Of course, he that would be uh, valid if you're applying that to the confessing church. And because a lot of many mainline churches in Germany during the Nazi period went along with uh, Nazi politics and everything, and uh, but people like Karl Barth and uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, they they even Bonhoeffer even a couple of days after Hitler was elected, when he was at this the, the apex of his popularity in Germany, uh, he dared question. The, the fewer, in other words, the absolute leader concept in uh, just on the radio, and he was his radio was his 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 interview was cut short. The, we, uh, I'm not too sure, but they in in fact Bonhoeffer was thrown in prison 
and just a few days before the the Nazi regime collapsed totally, uh, Bonhoeffer was was hanged. He so he was uh, definitely somebody who was uh, had the courage to stand up to this, and uh, paid paid a, a very serious price, of course. Right. So it's truth is, is of little concern to postmoderns, but they, I mean. And you say it's not purely defined by French intellectuals. You've mentioned a lot of names that I'm familiar with, but the it's not just through philosophy; it's through pop culture, media, advertising, film industry, media elites. Absolutely, so absolutely. Yeah. No, there is a tendency to uh, view postmodernism either as even just uh, an architectural fad or or just looking at it from the point of view of the French intellectuals. You know the Derrida and, uh, and guys like that. Yeah, so, but that's just, uh, that, that's just part of the picture. And the, the, there's uh, pop culture is fed into this. And uh, I remember reading at one point, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, who was describing his own progression. I don't know if he identified, I don't think uh, Vonnegut would have, uh, Kurt Vonnegut would have identified as postmodern, but when he was describing his own disgruntled uh, migration away from the modern point of view and accepting uh, uh, the ideas that were more irrational, he was talking about uh, the, you know, not necessarily the occult, but horoscopes. He was saying, "Well, gee, you know, horoscopes give meaning to people's lives. Why, why not?" So this is drifting away, of course, from the, the, the very absolute forms of materialism, which were typical of 20th century uh, modern point of view. The, you know, your Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens or people, uh, people like that. So these are the, these are, we could call them the, the, the apostles of modernism in this present time, in this generation, whereas Bertrand Russell and others like that would have been in previous generations. But uh, so there's, a, there's, there's, I think there's a basic understanding that uh, the, the, the worldview that modernism did provide was rather grim. And there's sort of like an emotional reaction to that, and uh, it's it, it's just grim and a little bit barren. It's basically, you know, what what are the fruits uh, that that this culture has produced? Well, generally, some of the darkest uh, dystopias, you know, like George Orwell's 1984 or Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. These are coherent with this materialistic worldview, but they're, they, they paint a very, very, very grim picture of what, what, what life is and how, uh, you know, cultures and civilizations based on this view, what, where, where they arrive, what, what the end game is for these societies. Right. And I think you mentioned in your book, like it's not a coincidence that these dark dystopias were written in the 20th century after all the horrors and everything. Yeah. And, and it's also interesting how postmodernism influenced the culture in kind of you in that one section in the first part, you talk about how it, it unmoored people from former things. So you, like Spender, we are a lost people. Um, 
loss of meaning, Sartre says, you know, absurdism. Yeah. So you see that kind of in our culture and this kind of uh, deification almost of like, like people in my era, just their new religion is Star Wars and all of these uh, fictional <laughs> tales. So yeah, maybe- that, that, that's part of that's part of the picture because people are groping for meaning. And here in Quebec, for example, during the when in the in the sixties and seventies, where whereas Cath uh, the the Catholic uh, Quebecers used to be very 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 devout Catholics, but during this time period, they had what was called the 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 quiet revolution, which was basically as opposed to the French revolution, which was violent where the leaders were uh, guillotined and all this, but there was a transition away from Catholic influence, which was both in, in politics, education, healthcare, which were very, very dominated by the Catholic, uh, by the Catholic church in Quebec. And then after this uh, quiet revolution, uh, well, largely, uh, many Quebecers became devout nationalists. So politics, uh, for many Quebecers in those generations in the 60s and 70s and uh, up until the 80s, the whole idea of uh, national identity became a, a, a central issue for many. And uh, uh in some sense, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, an attempt to find an, a, a utopia. So th- this has lost a lot of steam since then, and people are, you know, just making uh, making ends meet and dealing with the, but that, so there's a base, so from one one Western country to another, the, 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 the path for groping and looking for meaning can take different, you know, it can take different paths. But uh, there, there's evidence of, like you say, the the, the people uh, that you you mentioned Star Star Wars, but uh, even before that, the the the, the Trekkies would right. perhaps even more uh, be, be be even a, a, a more more. A more uh, a better uh, right a better uh, you know the Trekkie. Yeah. I, I remember uh, William Shatner's uh, rather cynical comment at a Trekkie conference: uh, "Get a life." But for these right. people, they, that's what they were attempting to do. Actually, right, they, that was popular they, culture replaced religion. That was their thing. Yeah, that was their yeah, refuge, yeah. really. Right, that's how they filled the void. So, so people were in, in in enacting finding finding something meaningful in participating in this well quote unquote uh, sci-fi myth, and uh, so that 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 does that does expose the obsession people have with these things, is it, it has its basis in the the base well in the, in the, the lack of meaning that generally our civilization uh, doesn't provide it's it's so that that it's a reflection people are groping uh, uh, well well, in my in my era like you know i'm in 50s right now but there are 30s and 40 year old men that that is their meaning they on their walls and their man caves it's all star wars and uh, and figurines and things it's really amazing how 
that this kind of modern kind of culture really has replaced re religious icono iconography. Yeah, and for 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 others, perhaps in the older generation, there's uh, the the Tolkien would perhaps be a more sophisticated uh, embodiment of this sort of search for meaning. The you know the the Lord of the Rings and it's it has the the noble uh, a bit a bit of a. a it, it, it's a, a mythology that has more depth and also uh, their, their concepts of honor and uh, things like this. Uh, so it's, it's got a, it's got a deeper ethical ring uh, anyway. So, so it, but the basic issue is yes. Uh, the West is basically uh, to a large extent, it's a, a drift and it's looking for meaning and, uh, Culture, right. culture is part of it. Culture is part of the, uh, the, 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 the that spiritual road that many Westerners are, are on. They're not just yes. trekking off to Kathmandu and, uh, you know, trying to find uh, something there, but some of them are trekking through pop culture and, uh, and things of that sort. So it's part of it's part of the deal. Yeah, and you say you stated in your book, Muslims talk about the Christian West, but that doesn't really exist in the present. Not maybe like it did in the past, but like the elites have definitely abandoned Christianity. But also, I think you make some fascinating points about how because that that kind of Christian or or the traditional view, there's now the search for meaning that can be expressed in even contradictory ideas in people's outlook, like mm -hmm. these new myths and that you call man's now free to shop the ideological market. Can you talk about that? Yeah, no, that, 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 that is um, part of the, the, the situation. Yeah. It, it's a little bit like when you take your trade to a cafeteria and people will uh, have a very eclectic way of looking at uh, finding meaning and uh, perhaps at a certain state in their life, they will, uh, well, for you, 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 when you're going to a cafeteria, you, you have all these kinds of foods and you're, you're staring at all kinds of choices. And you can have tacos and uh, you can have uh, pizza and some Chinese and uh, whatever grabs your fancy. You can grab anything that's, uh, that's out there on the, in, the, in the stalls. So many people... At this point, because of the fact that there is no largely recognized uh, concept of truth, people look at religion. They they, they look at the 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 try the attempt to build meaning in their lives, but they go at it the same way they somebody will uh, line up at the, the in the cafeteria, and they'll so they'll put a little bit of Chinese influence, um, some. Um, positive thinking or a little bit of yoga and you, you they can throw uh, pretty much anything together and but five or ten or 20 years down the line uh, they can look at that and say oh no this doesn't work and throw out half the stuff and add on uh, di other different components so it's it's very uh, to some extent, yeah, you end up with things that are contradictory. Uh, uh, so it's it's people look at it very emotionally, what they find some short-term satisfaction in. But inevitably, when you're looking at these things rationally, 
many of these belief systems or these uh, components of belief systems don't actually work together. They, 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 they're, they're, they're based on different uh, worldviews, different uh, concepts of truth and things like that. So, uh, but it's common enough. It's, it's, it's rather, uh, rather common. And you talk about, you say the contrary views found in Dawkins and Hitch, uh, Hitchens, but also like how Stephen Jay Gould and Dawkins had this evolutionary view, but their their external lives were different than their evolution. I think you quoted um, Dawkins as saying like, uh, what does he say? He says, oh, he, he says that don't question my, oh, I'm a passionate Darwinian when it comes to science, but when it comes to explaining the world, I'm a passionate anti-Darwinian when it comes to morality and politics. I think in that quote, he was thinking especially about politics and uh, perhaps the Holocaust or things of that sort, where there had been uh, clear attempts to uh, build societies with the, based on the whole idea of uh, survival of the fittest. So if you're actually empirically applying this building civilizations on this basis well after world war ii the west uh, was uh, made brutally aware of what can in what can uh, what kind of outcome you can find when you when you actually attempt to build uh, civilizations on that basis and uh, so uh, I, I my uh, anyways i'm 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 interpreting what uh, Dawkins said. We could always ask him yourself if you want, but uh, I, I get the impression that that would be the sort of uh, uh, he was the, the that's what he was thinking about, uh, right? And you liken kind of postmodernism as an invisible church, like it doesn't have traditional initiation rites or creeds, but there's definitely. I mean, you talk about manipulative co coercion. Can you talk about the kind of uh, insidious, kind of invisible influence of postmodernism? Yeah, well, that is a radical difference. Uh, if even if you compare just to uh, modern, the modern perspective, the modern, for example, if you look at two modern uh, ideologies that were dominant uh, during the 20th century, uh, first of all. Uh, and Nazism, and then communism. Both of these had very explicit programs that were written down and could be uh, looked at and uh, people could analyze. And they also had very clear, in the case of Nazism, well, Hitler's Mein Kampf was basically their Bible. It was very widely printed and translated and then, the, of course, for the communists, well, you have the, the more theoretical work, the, 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 the capital, but then uh, more, uh, more commonly known works such as the, the Communist Manifesto or uh, Mao's uh, Red Book or things of that sort. Right. So you have the, the program is down on paper. It's, 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 uh, it has the, princ the principles are clearly enunciated. Um, Hitler's anti-Semitism was already pretty clear when he was uh, when he was uh, when he was getting elected. When the Nazis were uh, uh, growing in power and then eventually uh, uh, accessing the the German state, though though it it is also 
part of the picture that the, the final solution was kept under wraps for quite a while. There was a, this was not immediately uh, uh, put out. You know, this was a little bit too brutal. But still, most of these ideologies had their uh, their their the. Of course, they were based on parties, so they, they had they had symbols that were easy to identify. Well, if you're uh, a guy with a, a swastika comes knocking at your door, you, you know exactly who you're dealing with. And then uh, uh, if you have a bunch of people coming down the street and they're waving the cross and sickle, well, you know pr you know immediately well who you're dealing with. Right. But the postmoderns have, I think. After the, the, the 20th century uh, was over, they realized, well, okay, if you put all your if you put all the cards on the table and you clearly identify who you are and what you're going about and your, what your intentions are, this will draw uh, draw you enemies. It will draw a firm and it, it'll it'll basically paint a target on you. So I think there's been uh, amongst postmoderns, I don't know how conscious the process is has been, but I think for some, in some cases, I think it's been very, very a conscious decision to avoid explicit programs being put out and explicit uh, organizations with symbols that are easy to identify. So basically, we have postmoderns infiltrating. Uh, Western institutions and growing in power either in media, in education, and uh, many, many other areas, in culture, of course, too, as well. So, but here's the thing, they don't, they don't put the cards down on the table. So you have to be looking, you have to put the pieces of the puzzle together yourself. And that makes the, 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 the whole reaction to this uh, this movement a, a lot more difficult because you're uh, the the it's like a, a boxer in a ring who is facing an indiv uh, an invisible adversary so he's taking hits he, he's been he's getting punched in the face he's getting he's getting he's pun taking punches to his body but he doesn't see his adversary he can't where are the he, he's got a hard time figuring out where where are these punches coming from, so th this is part of the, the the situation we face now with the postmoderns, and uh, so so they tend to generally uh, keep their 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 core beliefs out of view, so right. they, they play they play the neutrality game they they just play they they they, they hide behind the institutions they've infiltr infiltrated. And they just they 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 prefer so they, they they avoid clearly enunciating what their programs are, what their principles are, and uh, and here here's another thing where they they contrast to uh, your typical evangelical, for example, somebody who's uh, if you have somebody knocking at your door, waving a Bible at you, okay, you have a good idea of what this person is about. Right. But postmoderns prefer to use the state the state and and to uh, to use the the state's power to impose uh, its views upon citizens by uh, either through the courts or through uh, cultural manipulation or uh, algorithm 
manipulation. There you go. <laughs> like that's the most modern one. Is the yeah, algorithm. we have to get we have to get get up there with the technology. You know, so that's part of the picture now. That's part of the, that's part of the deal. And you reference in Canada, they had the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in 80, 1982, which kind of reoriented the legal system there. Can you talk a little bit about that and its effect and how the kind of postmodern morality has been inculcated in the legal system there? Uh, uh, I don't know if it's anything. It's too specific to the situation in Canada. It's uh, there's the, the Canada has not had a something the, the the constitution has been um, not quite as clear cut as the the american constitution i mean it's uh, something that's uh, we were for uh, the the initially canada was a colony and uh, it took a while and uh, we were so we were basically run under uh, english law and uh, the constitution is uh, basically set up but we don't have these uh, the the, the freedom of speech, we don't have any amendment that's clearly uh, enshrines this in, in law. So uh, there's, the, these are, uh, these are more like incidental uh, rights, but uh, that could be, uh, could be taken away, you know, it's, it's, uh, so uh, we, we have, for example, an organization, uh, the, the CRTC, which runs uh, media, which administrate well it was initially run, uh, organized to administer radio and television but now they have uh, the they have uh, bills that are in, in in place that are coming down the pipes that are uh, would run uh, also internet access and well internet uh, media content so um, anyway so th this is something that's uh, well, it's it, there, it, it can have uh, repercussions on uh, the way we can access internet and things of that sort. Right, and that's all kind of what you mentioned, Jacques Ellul, and kind of the power of mass media and how that that's enforcing this kind of postmodern conformity, you yeah. know, stifling critical thinking. Can you talk about how that affects us all, really? Because I think that that's that's definitely happening here in the states. Well, part of the picture is that once you, uh, uh, as I mentioned, uh, relative to the state, once you reject the idea of an absolute, that it is this provides a reference point. This is uh, this provide this is critical thinking. Basically, requires an absolute reference point outside the person, outside the the person's emotional state. Uh, the the person's uh, subjective preferences and things of this sort. So when people talk about education developing uh, a critical outlook, okay, then you have to start asking how do you do that? How do you develop a critical? What what is your tool? What is your you need if you're talking about a critical outlook, then you need a reference point. You need a measuring stick to say okay. Well, this is true, and that this is not true. You you, you can't just be critical. Uh, uh, otherwise, if you, if you deny that, if you reject that that idea that you need a reference point to be critical, then it all dissolves into subjective preferences, 
emotional states. Right. You know, um, basically, it's hardly more significant than somebody saying, well, I hate pizza, you know, or I hate, you know, whatever, whatever ethical, you just, your, your ethical choices or political choices become very uh, subjective and there's no, and, and that leads to a situation where people cannot exchange or debate. Well, how do you debate uh, ideas when everyone uh, rejects uh, an absolute, uh, a rational reference point? And then this leads to situations where people just basically, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically like the brown shirts during the Nazi period. They, they, they would go to uh, political uh, assemblies from uh, opposing uh, uh, political organizations and threaten and uh, make threats and uh, ha do violence to shut people up. So right. it, it, you end up with a situation where it's basically, uh, well, like Mao's very grim uh, observation that morality comes out of the barrel of a rifle. Right. And you kind of do see this today. You see that kind of uh, punitiveness, cancel culture. I think you could tie that into this postmodern outlook. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You you cannot, this, we're, we're slouching or slowly sliding into a situation where real social debate is uh, viewed as something that you, you just can't do. You, you basically have to, the, the person that yells the loudest uh, gets to be heard, basically. It's, uh, you, 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 shut other, you shut up other people that don't have views that don't, you don't agree with. And so we're very, very far from the initial enlightenment people, like uh, I believe it was Voltaire, who says, well, uh, uh, I, I may disagree with you, but I, I, I support your, I totally support your right to say it. Right. But we're, we're drifting, we've drifted very, very far away from that now. It's no question. No question about that here in the States. I mean, that's like your whole section, the Phantom Creed, is really how this postmodern outlook is affected rational discourse. I mean, there's very, uh, and le at least in the and on the United States and the kind of corporate media, I would say that's gone. It's really just uh, everything that you include in there, Muggeridge and uh, Chomsky and Orwell all wrapped together. Yeah, 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 no, for sure. Yeah. Um, we are at 40 minutes. Uh, and was there anything before we write? I mean, there's so much more in this book. It's very well thought out. Excellent book. Highly recommend this, especially for people, because I think it goes back to that theme about in your book is that it's a phantom creed and it's, it's subtle and it's in effect. And it's kind of, so I think it's the invisible church almost. It's a fake invisible church that, like you said, isn't something that people can solidify into like something like the church of Satan or, or a, a bad boogeyman they can. Yeah. Drag. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything like you would like to add? Where can people, what's your social media? Where can people buy the book? Where's the best place? Uh, well, it's on Amazon. Basically the French and English editions are bo both on Amazon. So anybody can look it up there and, and pick it up there. Uh, there's information on my, on the website, uh, the Samstat, which is the publishing company that, uh, 
that has put out uh, the the series. So uh, on the Sam, okay, that's S Samizdat S A M I Z D A T dot Q C dot C A. And there's uh, publications. There's the, the you have to go to the publication section where the the information. So there's information on the book. People can download the the foreword to each edition too as well, and get get a direct idea what the what the some of the some of the content. And Sam is doubt. Well, that was the underground literature in uh, Soviet Union, right? Yes, that was. This refers to the the Soviet period where. This the 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 communist regime then controlled all the official press, the media, and everything. So the dissidents, both religious and political dissidents, had to self pub basically self publish. It was the alternative press of that time, and but of course the risks were very very high. They people would basically either type up on on the on, on their typewriter. Uh, texts or handwrite them, hand copy texts, and pass them around to friends, and that was a way of distributing works, getting uh, allowing free speech to occur, and uh, they always had to be looking over their shoulder though to just to make sure who they who uh, who they were distributing these things to. But uh, that was the name of the game. But uh, I don't know if we're, we may be getting close to something. Right. Well, you may be having people may have to go to this website to meet fellow travelers. You can exchange uh, truth in uh, absolute truth bombs with each other. But again, uh, the title of the book is Flight from the Absolute Cynical Observations on the Postmodern West by Paul Gosselin. And the website again is Sam is that it's spelled S-A-M-I-Z-D-A-T dot Q-C dot C-A. So go check that out. Thank you so much, Paul. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.